0: Welcome to Making Our Way Forward, a podcast where we share compelling life stories and learn from the experience of everyday entrepreneurs. At NACI, we celebrate diversity and invite you to join the conversation as we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders from all walks of life. We hope that by telling their stories, we bring you inspiration, empower you to take action and ignite entrepreneurship in your community. Welcome to Making Our Way Forward podcast. We have a very special guest today, someone that we met as part of the new administration in Washington, D.C., part of NACI's work to be a good citizen and trying to mobilize our 350 colleges and over 2000 members around the country uh, to help us get through this pandemic and, and help us to build back better so It is my sincere pleasure to meet, uh, to introduce to all of you, Renee Johnson. And I met her as part of an outreach through her employer um, public strategies. But before we get into all of that, um, along with some of her hobbies and expertise, Renee, I just want to welcome you to the show. I know you're a native uh, from Chicago, but just introduce yourself to
1: our listeners
0: around the world and in the United States. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, one, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, And if you see my glasses fogging, that goes to show you that DC, um, where I'm located now, it was a swamp and it is starting to get swampy out here. So it's a little humid. So forgive my glasses if they're foggy. Pleasure to be here. It's such an honor, and I'm so excited to talk with you all today. Um, as Rebecca said, my name is Renee Johnson. Um, I'm a native Chicagoan um, that lives here in DC, uh, and my journey has been interesting. You know, I went to law school, did a couple master's degrees, um, hung out, you know, working for members of Congress, and then now here I am working with Public Private Strategies as a senior advisor, where I help to uh, advocate for small business owners across the country.
0: That's great. And I, just a fun fact, I mean, you are so educated and and just, you just have a beautiful way of presenting yourself. But what one of the things I love about you is you are a lifelong learner, you just never stop learning. And it's not so much about the degrees, but I think it's about the authenticity and, and what you bring the passion and the purpose And one fun way that we got connected was through your work at Public Strategies and some of the work that you've done uh, with some of the nominees, uh, the new folks that are leading really important agencies in D.C. And I shared with you earlier my connection with um, the new SBA Administrator Isabel uh, Casillas-Guzman, who actually reached out to me around Thanksgiving to talk about how community colleges and and entrepreneurship could really help with um, some of the work that's going on in the SBA. And I was so excited to hear from her. I didn't even realize she was the nominee, but I looked into her background and found out she was the number two person um, during the Obama administration and some of the good work she's done in California. So um, that's what connected us. But I want you to share with us, what what is it that you all do? I I know that you've got even some meetings today, which we can talk about, but what what is your role in terms of these folks and connecting them to the public and and leaders like myself and organizations like NACI?
1: Yeah, so Public Private Strategies is sort of our consulting firm. And under it, there's this thing called Reimagine Main Street, which is more of a philanthropic uh, table where we bring philanthropy, corporations, small business, ecosystem players together to talk about the work that they're doing, how to amplify it, and how do we get past uh, COVID relief. And that is really the focus of that. It's like a two-year program to really bring all those players to the table to do that work. Then we have Small Business for America's Future, which is the advocacy arm, which is sort of what I kind of like co-lead, if you will. Uh, and with that, that's where we really get down into you know, the grassroots of things. And we connect with small business owners across the country and network with them to also, these these events that we put on with the White House, with the SBA, Department of Treasury, name it, where we can have them come present, talk about what's happening with their small business, uh, what legislation is impacting them, how it will not impact them. And making sure that not only the administration understands what's going on, but knows how these small business really feel, how they're going to come out of COVID, and then also pre-COVID, what was going on with small business owners, and more specifically, what's going to happen after COVID is over, and we're here with resilience, what does that mean for small business, and how are we going to make sure that they're still thriving?
0: that's that's great and you talk about grassroots and we hear on your calls some of the leaders from for example the black chamber of commerce and score they also talk about the grass tops so what i think is interesting about the work that you do is that you really are very inclusive about not only inviting people but kind of coming at it um we sometimes talk about leading from the middle which is sort of part of what you do too and One of the things you shared with me on an earlier conversation was some of the work that you have done um, with uh, Michelle Obama, which is amazing, and um, people like the mayor of of D.C., um, uh, the Honorable Muriel Bowser as well. So perhaps talk with us a little bit about the space um, that you have occupied in really trying to uplift women and and people of color in, in the business community and maybe
1: how that shapes the work that you're doing now. Yeah, I I like to say that I'm rooted in small business because I come from a small business family. Uh, my parents are part owners of a church back home in North Chicago, Illinois, First Baptist Church. Yay! Um, so I grew up with a church background, and most people are like, "Churches aren't businesses." No, they're probably one of the very first businesses. Okay, like Peter, Paul, uh, all of the disciples, they were. They were part of a business, right? With Jesus and them. But small businesses are are essential and, and very like centered point to my life. And so for me, everything that I feel like I've done is surrounded by that, that passion to make sure I see them thrive. Because I saw, you know, what happened, you know, with my uncles out there mowing the lawn at the church. Uh, the collection plate isn't enough for, you know, tithes and offering are enough to pay for the mortgage of the church. What happens then? All of these things are are sort of like issues so many small business owners face, uh, trying to do all the work that they're trying to be able to do uh, just to make their business of what they love thrive. And so I just continued that work from every job it feels like uh, that I've had. And I've been so fortunate to work with Ms. Obama with the United States of Women, where we did a program where we got over 5,000 women uh, over under a year actually to. Be galvanized, if you will, and created a program for like two two weekends um out of the year. We would bring them together. It was through like atlanta, chicago, uh, l a, New Mexico, you name it. We were trying to be there and get women galvanized and learn how to be leaders in their community, start businesses, um run for office, and then also run the campaigns because we don't see a lot of women in senior roles. Uh, and campaign. So it was amazing to be a part of that. It was very inspirational. And as we see today, we are seeing more women running for Congress. We are seeing more women start businesses. We are seeing more women stepping up and becoming the leaders that we know that we can be. Love it. Love it. Love it. There's so much there. And
0: I agree with you. Um, First Lady Obama and her, you know just her story of becoming, I, I just was so inspired by that. We, we passed that book around um, members of my family and And thinking about that, one of the initiatives that NACI has is around um, ESHIP for for women in higher education, uh, you know, whether they're, you know, presidents, faculty, whatever their roles are at early, mid and late stage. So we are in the process of planning a a retreat that we're going to have in in November. So we'll be talking to you about that at at another time. But I think the piece that you mentioned about sort of your life experience and, and growing up in the church, and I think... You know, your message about, you know, nonprofit organizations too. Uh, NACI is a 501c3 nonprofit. We were fortunate enough to get CARES Act loan the first time around. We didn't have to lay off any employees, but I had to put my business hat on many a day and try to figure out, you know, with all of the staff that we have, we're not traveling. So, how do you keep people engaged and productive? And I think that's a really important message because whether you're running a church or a nonprofit or a main street business or a high tech company, you know, it's really all about the people. And, and, you know, some of the things that I've seen coming out of your um, office in DC and the way that you kind of include people, but you're you're driving some pretty you know tough agendas. So I, I don't know if you feel comfortable, but we could t- talk a little bit about what you're doing later today in a couple of hours, um, if you don't mind. I think it'd be really interesting because a lot of our members are going to be participating um, in that. Maybe share a little bit about what you have planned, the purpose of it, and what you're hoping to get out of it.
1: Yeah. So President Biden earlier this week announced The uh, paid leave tax credit and more specifically what that means, how it could be applied for so many small business owners, because paid leave is an essential issue. Uh, To be honest, my personal humble opinion, if we had paid leave before COVID, we would not have seen probably as many people be impacted by COVID weather contracting or sharing and spreading COVID, right? Because if you felt sick, you would have been able to stay home. You would have been able to take care of your kids, your grandmother, your your father, whatever it was, and had those days and hours accounted for, right? Um, We unfortunately did not. So President uh, Biden is working to do that and making sure that employers are being able to get a tax credit in order to make sure that employers are able to do that for their employees. So later today, we're gonna have a discussion about that. We're working with the IRS and Department of Treasury to have that conversation. But additionally, we're going to talk about vaccinations because that also goes hand in hand, right? Because paid leave means time off of work. And so we want to make sure that people are also allowing for people to take time off of work to go get vaccinated because that's the number one frontline defense to making sure we stop the spread. Um, that we're able to get this COVID-19 under control, and that we don't have to see any more losses of of life, but also businesses as well. So today's conversation, we have the amazing senior advisor to the White House, Andy Slavitt, who's going to come. Uh, He's going to talk about what's happening in the vaccination space. And then again, the IRS will be there to talk about what's going on with the paid leave tax credit. That's exciting
0: and so important. And I know there are people on the fence. I know that, you know, that it's a deeply personal decision. Some people have reservations. And I think getting the information out there and, and really thinking about incentives, you know, both both carrots and sticks, as they say, uh, but just, just really important, um, life-changing work. And one of the questions, Renee, that we ask um, all of our guests is, what are you most hopeful about? I mean, you're sort of a visionary type person who's done a lot. What, what do you see on the other side of the pandemic? What, what do you hope that maybe lessons we've learned will stick and make us a better, uh, a better country, a better society um, globally?
1: That's a great question. Um, I feel like it's like a whole bunch of things that intersect to answer that question, um, but primarily, and this is going to sound cheesy and maybe like pageantry, uh, but I really feel like love and appreciation of others Is something that I really hope for because I've seen so much uh, negativity. Uh, We've seen a lot of hate. We've seen a lot of disrespect and just people not learning to educate or being willing to educate themselves about others. Um, whether you own a business, whether you're walking in a neighborhood, whether you're just being right. We're all just trying to make it through COVID and all our stories are going to be different. But there's one similarity. We're just trying to make it through. And I think if we all just tried to come to a better understanding of that, um, I think our entire country would be in a better place. Um, I think we wouldn't see as many issues, uh, if you will, that we're seeing today um, that impact not only the businesses, Um, from those who are out protesting to, you know, those who are out there just trying to make sure that their business sustains. It is so much that's happening just because people are not educated or understanding of what others are going through. And if we just come from a better lens of that, again, I think we will be in a much better place after COVID. And I think we'll even see more businesses thriving. I think we'll see the creation of more innovative businesses, I think we'll see people working together in different industries that maybe we never seen before. I think it's just an opportunity for us to really, really, really show that we could come together and still be great.
0: That That's very hopeful. And I agree with you. We have um, a practice here at NACI. We have a giving tree in our office and we celebrate things all the time because I, I think, what you said is there is so much more that unites us than divides us as people, because all of us are, you know, daughters, many of us are sisters or moms or aunts or whatever. And it's the humanity of of people. And I think sometimes what we've seen is people get disconnected and they feel, um, they don't feel like they have a role or a part. And part of the work we do at NACI is really kind of leaning into an invitation that everyone is invited. And as you know, we do that through not only community colleges, but historically Black colleges and universities, minority serving institutions. And we've taken a real interest in how might we support colleges that uh, reach out to um, Native American and Indigenous people, because sometimes, you know, that's an important um, part of our, our quilt of, of people um that, that occupy places and i think this is also a historic week because of course we had the verdict um uh come through and um i i just have been asking people in, in my life and i know personally I, I watched that on tv and i i just started crying I, I just it just impacted me how kind of happy i was but how how sad it is that it took us This long and and wondering about that. So I don't know, Renee, if you might want to just share a little bit about your um, reaction to that or or how how that impacted you uh, when you when you heard about that.
1: Yeah. So actually, I had to unplug. Uh, from all media when the trial started. I limited my social media. I limited my news watching because we've been here before, right? We've seen many cases where we're like, it's caught on film. We know that this we know that there's gonna be a conviction and there's no conviction. Or the conviction is there, but it's like six months in jail or something egregious, right? And so I had to unplug because I was like, you know what? I don't want to cause this trauma to myself again. Right, because it's, it's 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 it feels circular at some points. Um, a coworker actually texted me. He was like, "Hey, I know you're not paying attention. I know you unplugged, but I just want to let you know the verdict came back, and he was guilty." And I was like, "Wait, what?" Um, I'm sorry. And like, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened, but I just became like overpowered by emotion and started crying, and I didn't even realize that I had that in me. And so the impact of this trial I think is is, is much bigger than George Floyd who we, we, we dearly miss and his life should not have been the catalyst for a movement. But how insane is it that this week historically this case is now a precedent and that can be used to help so many other people who unfortunately on the day of his decision were also murdered by police. So now we can use this and hopefully ensure that the criminal justice um, uh, code is changed so that it does have some ramifications for those who injure, harm, kill, murder those innocently. They have to face the judgment of that as well. So it, it was emotional and it was just like, wow, I can't believe now we really have something to use as a standing point to move forward. Right.
0: It's, it's all about moving forward. It's it's interesting. And thank you for sharing what your personal experience was. We have uh, on our staff, our, our well, actually our podcast co-host and um, our director of innovation equity, Jeff Smith is, is an African-American man and, and sociologist by training and, And he shared a kind of a similar experience. So one of the things we're going to be doing later next week is convening a group of people, uh, a diverse group of people to talk about what did that feel like? If you are a person, uh, say, of a white background or you are a person of color, kind of working in this ecosystem as you do and we do, and, and trying to think about like, what is it that unites us? And when you just shared your story and I briefly shared mine, I think what unites us is the seed of hope. Is, is It doesn't solve everything, and there's tragedy that continues, but how can we come together and make a difference? So, Renee, our time is winding down. I feel like I could talk to you all day long, um, and we'll have to have you back uh, for other things. But I want to end on a little bit of a lighter note because we like to try to uh, dig into our guests uh, and one of the things you told me when we talked earlier is that you are an expert on rosé wine and people sh- uh, send you wine from all over the country. And it piqued my interest. Natalia and I were talking about it. So I was looking up facts about rosé wine and I found out it's the first wine that was created at 7,000 BC. So that's pretty incredible. So Maybe we could end on a bit of a lighter note. Tell us how in the world did you get interested in that? And what is that experience uh, uh, like for you?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) it's funny because my favorite color is rose gold. um, And everyone like who knows me knows everything around me is pink. Like literally everything is pink around me. I love pink. So naturally when I started drinking um, for, for leisure, Uh, I was of age, of course, I did not have my first sip until I was 21. Um, I was like, I don't believe that, you know, hard liquor is my thing, uh, just because it looks intimidating. And like I seen people's stories, I'm like, I want to be blacked out. I want to, you know, just have something that's enjoyable, like refreshing. Um, and like, I didn't grow up around vineyards, you know, Chicago is not known to have water. Chicago. Um, so it wasn't until I moved to, um, actually the Southern Illinois where I was in school. Um, I moved to a little like neighborhood that had like a little bar, but it was like a wine bar. And I was like, well, what's a wine bar? Like, I know what wine is, but like, what's a wine bar. And like, I walked in, I started talking to people, Oh, I got like so excited because they like literally gave me flights of wine to figure out what my palate was. And I was just like learning so much so quickly. And then I found out there was a near my college. So we started going to vineyards and then we started learning more about wine. And then all of a sudden I realized they have pink wine. Why, why didn't no one tell me this? So I got into the pink wine. It was so delicious. So amazing. And then I was realizing, like, so many of my friends that were similar backgrounds, like me, that came from, like, you know, the inner city, the, you know, suburban areas, we didn't know what this, like, vineyard culture was and wine culture. Like, we saw people drinking Coke 45. We didn't know. So we we were like, oh my God, we must investigate. And from there, we just did more research. We took tours. We got involved in, like, wine clubs. um, We did everything we could. And then when I moved out east, it was like, an abundance of it. So I wanted to make sure that I did not only just learn from myself, but educate others. So my partner Ben and I, we have the Rose Hour podcast. And basically we talk about different rose wines. We talk about just people who got into the wine industry and how. Um, and our focus is really trying to make sure we talk about minorities. So women, veteran, and uh, people of color-owned businesses uh, that are winemakers or wine companies because it's also interesting to hear how did they even find out? How did they get into it? And like, how are they sustaining during a pandemic? So it's been a wonderful ride. It's so awesome. And I hope that Rebecca, you could be a guest one day too. And we can have some rosé in person. (laughs) I would love that. I was learning about it. I I understand it's a
0: very dry wine, which I didn't think about that. You think pink I'm also, I have pink on too. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. And I remember when just to, on a closing note, when you and I had our first conversation and you said to me, which warmed my heart, if you hear music in the background, it's Ben, because he is a, a veteran and that's what he does. He has a, a recording studio. So I thought, my goodness, this woman and her wonderful family is all about being entrepreneurial and celebrating. So I thank you so much, Renee, for sharing. Um, you know, personally what this time has been like for you, but celebrations and hopefulness. So I hope that you'll come back. I'd love to be on your podcast. I have much to learn Um, and I just wish you a good day. And I hope that everybody who's listening around the world will really take a moment to think about what this time means to you and how you might inject more celebration and purpose into your own life.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I would love to do this again. And of course, we got to keep partnering to help small businesses know about resources and opportunities that are out there for them, for their business.
0: Thank you so much. And I look forward to your your session uh, later today.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that listening to this podcast will help you to explore the many ways
1: we might define entrepreneurship. Join us every other Wednesday for more episodes as we celebrate opportunity, learn from one another, and grow together. Subscribe to this podcast, connect with us on social media, and learn more about today's speakers
2: at nacy.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to making our way forward together with you.
0: Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed? How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com impacted to order your copy now and join us in this
2: work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership dot